Scott Sharp, this plant we're talking about, which has a name that doesn't just sit on my tongue, you better tell me again. Sometimes I have to think back over it as well. But it is a really sexy name, and I don't. Is it because it's like it's got two names in it, like Ellie, and that's a really nice name, and then Agnes, which is an old-fashioned name. So Maybe it's actually, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Ellie Agnes Macrophylla, and it is a fantastic plant. Sexy name, good plant. Now the reason that it's so good is that it is a very, very tough plant. It will tolerate almost any condition that you can think of. Now, the place we were uh, just, uh, we put it in in a landscaping job about a year or so ago up near the beach, and it has turned into a fantastic hedge. It's a, uh, a plant from East Asia, Japan, and Korea, um, and for some reason it is. It, it, it tolerates frost, it tolerates the salt burn, everything like that. It's got a beautiful green leaf on the top, but underneath it's got this sort of silvery, wispy look about it. Uh, and it, it just, uh, as a hedge, it looks absolutely wonderful. Uh, look, it'll get to about three metres tall. It will take almost any soil condition, light, sandy, me- medium, heavy clay soils. Um, look, it can grow in really, really poor soils and in really difficult conditions. So a great plant as a hedging plant. It sounds as though it's a real survivor, though, Scott. Oh, it is. Look, apparently you can cut it back almost to the ground and it will re-sprout from the base. I didn't do that. I was very careful with the pruning I was doing today. <laughs> Fair enough. You don't don't want to push things too far, I'm Not sure. that close to the ground, no. Now, Ron's called in from Arcadia Vale. G'day, Ron. How can we help you, mate? Uh, uh, yeah, g'day, Scott. I was a garden at Wanji Power Station, mate, oh. and I have got a big property at Arcadia Vale, and I have got a problem I did have, I have it now, problem with wandering dew and onion weed. Yes. But I found that um, because we go out early in the morning and I light up the fire because we've got bush all around us, that I virtually killed it all with uh, boiling water. Oh, okay. So I've all, because it's, I've got 1,600 square metres of property, I've virtually overcome my weed problem with boiling water. That is a lot of water you must have been spreading around there. Oh, well, mate, it, it saved me by, because I used some really terrible chemicals when I worked, yeah. all the organophosphates and all those, mm-hmm. I would rather use... Uh, water than all like Roundup and and all these uh, yep it turned around and water boiling water it doesn't get down I grow a lot of natives grevilleas bottle brush and a lot of because my wife and I have been here fifty odd years a lot of the trees are fairly advanced a lot of the roots are quite deep rooted and a lot of the weeds are not. And even onion weeds, if you turn around and you keep the boiling water up to them, you will knock all those little ones in the ground. Yeah, look, that, that's right, Ron. And look, the other way to uh, get rid of wandering dew and onion weed is, and look, is Roundup is the only other way. You have to use a lot of persistence. Uh, one of the ways I've heard about is actually going and stomping all over the wandering dew or the onion weed just to open up the uh, cells of the plant so they absorb the, uh, the Roundup in there a little bit uh, better. Actually, I was uh, out at a customer's garden last week and I found, I actually dug up an onion weed perfectly from the ground. So now, look, Sharp City Garden has got a Facebook site, which I'm, I, I didn't know about Facebook, but it's fantastic. So I've stuck this video on our Facebook site of me finding this onion weed and just showing you how, how easily they spread around because of the little bulblets on the side. So, um, Ron, it might be worth uh, jumping on and having a look at that if you're on Facebook. Facebook is such a good spreader of information, it isn't is. it? I'm only just learning and about interaction it. interaction and things like Phone, that. Phone, Facebook, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, great ideas though, Ron. Well done. And Helen has rung in.
in now, and she's from Wall's End. Helen? Yeah, good afternoon. Look, Scott, I have a, a passion fruit vine, but that's not really the problem. It's been in about uh, earlier this year, I think I planted it. But next to it, about a couple of metres away, I have a lemon-scented myrtle native growing, and it's taking a lot of the sun away from it. Um, do they really need to have a lot of sun to grow in, or or can they get away with a bit of shade? Look, what will happen is... The, the passion pa- fruit, I mean. Yeah, that's all right. The passion fruit will naturally, it's a, it's a climber, it will naturally run to try and find as much sun as it possibly can. Uh, yep. What you'll find, though, is... If you've got fruit and it turns, comes on in the shade, it just yep. won't ripen as well as you'd want oh. it to. Uh, look, all, all fruits need to be out in the sun so that they ripen properly. You get all those beautiful sugars in there, you know, yeah. fermenting away. Same with tomatoes, uh, yeah. so and and uh, watermelon as well. But passion fruit, yes, look, they do need to be getting as much sun as they possibly can so that yeah. the, the fruit will ripen. The plant won't die or anything. It will just try and move away from that area uh, to yeah. a more suitable area for it to grow. They're pretty clever I- plants. I, I guess I could cut the, the, the tree back a little bit, just trim the branches back away and give it try and give it as much sun as I can. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can certainly do that. And they, they like a little bit of a prune as well, so it won't hurt that either. Any time of the year, Scott, for pruning it or just leave it till the spring, the, the tree? Or... Look, at this at this time of year, you can prune now if you want to. Uh, you're not yeah. going to get very much growth before spring. No. So I always advocate waiting until spring and then okay. go for your pruning then. Okay, I'll do that. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, Helen, for your question. And uh, passion fruit, yeah, they're not not coming out at the moment, are they? They shouldn't be. And if they're on the vine, they won't ripen very well. Unless they're in a yeah. really nice sunny place, perhaps. Well, Maybe. Well, Maybe. If you might find them in the fruit shop as well, that's probably the best place to get them at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Reg joins us now from Saltash. And, uh, Reg, you've got peach trees. Hello, Reg. How, how are you up there at Salty? Not too bad, Scott. Thank you. How can we help you, mate? Um, peach, peach tree, the slipstone. Yes. They've been blossoming and um, budding up. Now, last year we had the fruit fly in the uh, uh, fruit and, and lost it altogether. And um, this time I wanted to know whether it's too late to spray with the uh, uh, lime sulphur or the... Um, uh, what's the other one? Uh... Leaf curl. Oh, okay. So, look, the the peach tree won't have any leaves on it at the moment, so it is safe to spray with lime sulphur. It's, uh, start, it's starting to leaf now. Oh, it is starting to leaf now, is yeah. it? Oh, that's yeah. just that's just the weird old weather that we've got. So, what'll happen now if you spray with lime sulphur at this time? Yeah. Uh, you'll actually burn all those um, fresh new leaves off, unfortunately. So, you're probably best not to do that. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> but look, the lime sulphur and uh, isn't going to keep the fruit fly under control. Uh, that's something you have to keep under control using uh, malathon uh, or just a you know a, a proprietal uh, fruit fly b- uh, bait that you can go and get at yes, a garden I've, centre. No, I've, I've made it up the uh, containers for the fruit fly bait. Yep, I've made them up. And I've got them hanging on the tree. Oh, good, good. Do you but, use a bit uh, of Vegemite in those? Or yes, yep. yes. Oh, perfect. Vegemite and honey and uh, oh. You've got. It sounds like you've got the recipe. So you're doing yeah. the right thing. Uh, make sure you're, you're, you're spraying for fruit fly. You're, you're baiting for fruit fly with your traps that you've got mixed up, and it should keep them under control. But look, a little bit late now to spray with the lime sulphur if you've got new leaves coming on there that will just burn them away. And great, good advice. Thanks, Scott. And Julia is joining us now from Tanilba Bay. How can we help you, uh, Julia? Um, I'd just like a bit of help with a, a Banksia rose. Yes. Are you able to prune back a Banksia rose? 
Yes, you can. Oh, good. I've had Banksia rose at houses that I've, I've uh, owned, and you can certainly prune them back, uh, just like any other normal rose, any climbing rose. They're not really a climbing rose, no. uh, and they're only semi-deciduous, so they don't always lose all their leaves, but yes. you can certainly give them a prune back. Uh, look, there's no reason why you couldn't go and do it now. Uh, okay. It'd be fine to do the Banksia rose now. Beautiful plant. Uh, with the, you got the yellow one or the white one? Yeah, the, the, the cream one. We've got um, just the odd little flower on it. It's not doing very well at all. It's pretty sad. And I did sort of hear some years ago you never prune back a Banksia rose, but it's pretty, pretty yeah, look, at I've, I've certainly done it, and they, they come back uh, quite nicely. Give it a fertilise. Uh, just be careful what you're fertilising it with, though. Uh, use a, like one of the pelletised ones. And uh, just do it according to the instructions. I probably wouldn't go and dump, uh, you know, manures all over a Banksia rose. Just use the pelletised manures. And uh, but they are a beautiful little flower on them, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, they, they really are. are. All right. Okay. Thank you, Julia. Thanks, Thanks Julia. And we do have lines available if you've got a, if you've got a question on your garden four nine two one six two one six to get it through to two and URFM's gardening talk back. And Scott, we do need to talk about. Our gift? Oh, yes, a prize. A prize, prize. in fact. A prize. (laughs) Yes, we've got a prize. Uh, We've got uh, lots and lots of seeds at uh, the nursery at the moment and uh, because it's seed time, we're getting ready for spring. So come in. um, I reckon if you put your hand in a bucket and you can grab a handful of seed packets out, they're all yours. And that will go to? Well, we, I know we'll give it to someone eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Not a person yet. <laughs> one, of, one of our calls, anyway. Yes. <laughs> Robin from Madawi. Hello, Robin. How can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. Um, I've got a problem with my Sasanqua camellias. Yes. I've got them in a cottage garden, and the idea was that I'd have winter colour, but during summer they seem to get a little bit overpowered by all of the other bits and pieces, and mm. they're not doing as well as they should be. What do you mean they're getting overpowered by all the other bits and pieces? Well, I've got a lot of um, perennials that, that are in the garden. Mm-hmm. I cut them back in winter, but then in summer they grow hugely and uh, have to keep them under control. But I wanted the Sasanquas to to thrive and they're not. Oh, right. So the Sasanquas haven't got up above the perennials yet. Is that that's what They are a little bit, but they're just not bushy. Uh, and so... around our area, they, they seem to do well. That's why I put them in. Yeah, yeah. Look, they should do very well up there at Madawi. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing for you to do is, is going to be just to clear some of those perennials away from the plant, especially during the growing season. And yeah. at that time, fertilise with plenty of cow manure uh, yeah. in that area for each plant. So sort of, because what, also what will be happening is the camellias are competing with these fast-growing perennial plants that that's, are just... That's what I think it is. Yeah, they've got their snout in the trough and they're munching away and get, taking all the nutrients and, and goodness out of the soil. And the camellia, because it's not so quick-growing, it's, it's just not in there able to, to do the job as quickly. So you need just to clear them away a little bit, either by pruning or even just a little, you know, thin out around the camellias yes, of them. Yes. And then plenty of cow manure around each camellia to try and boost them up, get that root system working mm. and uh, get them up, the actual leaf growth up above the uh, perennial plants so that they can photosynthesize a lot quicker. Uh, Look, I would probably also use some uh, sea salt or some sort of seaweed product uh, just to feed and improve the root growth as well. But certainly cow manure is going to uh, help the uh, organic matter in the soil for those um, camellias. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Robin. That's great. And uh, Barbara, you're from Timnilba Bay and you've got a lemon tree with a question mark over it. Yes, I do. Hello, Barbara. We need one more person from Tanuba Bay today and then we'll have the trifecta. So yes. <laughs> the daily double so Thank far. <laughs> Thank you very much. 
Scott, I've got um, a Maya lemon. Well, I've got three uh, patio lime, a Maya lemon, and a Eureka, but the Maya lemon is in the bigger pot of the three, but all of them seem to have a problem with... Main, and when you check the back of the leaves, it's ants. Yes. I can't seem to get rid of ants out of the potting mix, and it makes the leaf curl. Yes. And I was wondering if you had any miracle cure. And it, the actual, they're not really growing. I don't know whether it's... Is it because they're in pots? Uh, as I said, the Myers in like a half wine cask. Is that satisfactory for it or not? Look, that should be fine. So it's it's let's it's going to be a multi pronged attack on this one. So we can use some you know really fancy management speak about this <laughs> multi pronged attack. Uh, what's probably happening? Just like a garden fork. Yes, like a gar. Very good. That's why we pay you the big money here, Jane. <laughs> so, Barbara, your plant is in a pot. Its root system is constricted by the pot. It can't spread out into the ground and get all the moisture and nutrient that it needs. So it's sort of on the back foot straight away. So what you need to do with uh, citrus, especially in a pot because they're very heavy feeders, is an, A, make sure that it's being very well watered. And uh, you might have to use a wetting agent uh, just to keep the moisture in the soil for the uh, the plant to, to use. And you also need to make sure it's being very well fed. And I say with citrus, about every three months, use a slow-release fertiliser. Uh, there's a great Martin's fertiliser out on the market that it's a pelletised manure and it just sprinkles around and it breaks down over three months and feeds your plant for you. Sorry, what brand was that, Scott? Uh, the one I'm recommending is Martin's at the moment. It's working very, very well. But there's plenty of um, pelletised manures out there on the market. Like- uh, Similar to dynamic lifting. Look, mean? I guess yes, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think they've got slow release, like the Scott slow release. Uh, you know, the one you're supposed to only use. I've put that on. Yeah, and look, that's 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 fine. I always prefer the pelletised poultry manures, like right. the Martin's one, uh, yeah. because they're just a little bit more meatier. They smell a whole lot better when you stick them in there and start watering them. Uh, and I, I th- you know, they're organic, so they're actually improving the soil as, as it goes down through. Now, right. yeah. the ants in your soil—that's usually a sign that the plant has got scale, which is a little insect. Uh, it can be brown, like a little pimple. Uh, it could be white as well, yeah. uh, all yeah. over the plant. So <laughs> you need to spray that with anti-scale to try and get the scale under control and then that usually the ants have nothing to feed off because that that scale's secreting a residue that the ants love to come and and, uh, feed off and that's why they come up onto the plant then it brings sooty mold and all of a sudden all these other problems start and now the other thing you can do is get an insecticide and mix that up in the watering can and drench that through the soil and that'll actually kill any ants that are in the soil so there's a few things you need to do. Uh, you right. need to make sure your watering's up to scratch, feeding the plant, get rid of the ants in the soil, use a wetting agent so that the soil, the potting mix is uh, uh, you know, absorbing the moisture and then the plant can, can use that. And then make sure that the plant hasn't got some scale and uh, get rid of that with a product called anti-scale and that should uh, get rid of the ants and keep them all under control. So you, and what uh, sort of what insecticide? I have used some spray insecticides like at... More, more outside. No, look, yeah, look, I, I prefer not to use those sort of things. They're propellants, uh, you know, the, the, the hydrocarbon propellant in there can get very cold and it can burn the plant. Uh, you really are best to use the ones that you mix up in water and that you can just spray and drench the plant in. Uh, and then for, if you've got an insecticide of some sort, even anti-scale, you could actually mix that up into the watering can and just drench it through the soil and it should get rid of the ants for you if you give it a try. Right, okay, okay, that's great. Okay, thank, okay. thank you, Barbara. Thanks, Barbara. A lot of things there, but, um, yeah, hopefully Barbara will get on All top of that. Very yeah. useful. We're taking your calls on 49216216, things about your garden, and just one question to follow up on that. If you're drenching plants in scale, all these things that you've just been talking about, 
Does it matter if they're in pots? No, no, it doesn't. Not at all. Uh, People often say, oh, you know, is it bad to, you know, is this insecticide going to harm the plant? No, it's not. Any herbicides will harm the plant. Right, good. Scott, we're joined right now by Maureen from Metford. Hello, Maureen. How can we help you? Hi. um, You had a caller a while ago about uh, onion weed and boiling water. Yes. Now, I wanted to know, because I have some in my um, front garden, and I've been trying to get rid of it, um, how often... Do you know how often he would have applied that? Look, I, I probably would have di- killed it off, you know, fairly quickly with the uh, the boiling water. But the trouble with onion weed is in under the soil there. There's all the, there's the main bulb, and then there's all these little bulblets I call them, yeah. and they're all around the onion weed. So that's why you never ever dig it out. No. And so as soon as you try and pull it out or dig it out, it just it just sheds those onion onion weed little bulbs so very easily. Um, mm-hmm. You jump on Facebook on the Sharp City Garden and have a look because I love showing how these little bulbs shed off. They just go so easily. So never do that. I'd probably give it the application with the hot water. It's mm-hmm. going the boiling water is going to burn and, and kill yep. anything else that you touch. Unfortunately, you'll probably yep. find that it will try and re-sprout again. So yep. you're going to have to try and do it again with onion weed. I think no matter matter what you're using, whether it be a chemical uh, or whether it be hot water, uh, it's just absolute persistence with it because it is just a, a, such a tenacious little plant. Uh, it's, yeah. it's got the world worked out. It knows how to survive. I've been struggling with it now for about seven or eight years. Oh, but the worst thing you can do is try and dig it out or pull it out. Pull it out, uh, yeah. Yep. Definitely don't do that. Use chemicals or use um, our uh, friend Ron's from Arcadia Vale. Use his uh, hot water trick. Yeah. Mm. All right, now I'll give that a go and see what happens. Okay, thank you, Maureen. Good luck with that, Maureen. And uh, Bev has rung in from Thornton. Now, you've got a question about the boiling water too. Did that answer your question, Bev? No, not quite. I was really enthused to think that maybe the boiling water would work on it. Yes. Will will it work on other weeds? Yes, it will. I, I think boiling water works best um, making a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. But, uh, but look, each, each to their own. I mean, it seems to be like a very power-intensive and sort of wasteful way to go around and kill weeds because you have to boil the kettle up, take it outside. and So um, it's going to be a very difficult way to do it. Um, but look, yes, it, boiling water will destroy pretty much anything. It, it, it burns, so it's just effectively going to burn the plant out of the ground. So um, look, if you feel like you're up to it, give it a go. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I think there's probably better ways. Um, using Roundup, it's a very, very safe chemical to use. There's, you know, virtually no side effects. You get the MSDS, the Material Safety Data Sheet, out on it, and it's a very, very safe chemical to use. It's not something you have to worry about. Um, but, look, yeah, if um, people want to give this um, boiling water trick a go, go for it. <laughs> boiling water yeah. or Roundup. So does Roundup, when you put it on the plant, does that actually affect the soil and any creatures that might be living in it? No, no, it doesn't affect anything uh, Anything else. Um, the, the, if you get the MSDS, you can jump online and have a look at it, um, tests that they've done with it. It's very, very, very safe to use. Uh, it, it, as soon as it touches the soil, it's effectively neutralised. Um, all it does, it, the best way to describe it, I guess, is it makes the plant overgrow, outgrow itself, and then eventually it, it sort of, its cell walls start to destroy and the plant dies. So you do need sunlight to make the um, the, the Roundup or the glyphosate, that's actually the chemical that's in it, uh, work. But, yeah, it's a very, very safe chemical to use. Kay from Doyleson North. Yes, hello. Hello, Kay. How can we help you? I have been wondering off and on over the years why you never see, read or hear anything about banana passion fruits and you don't see them in the shop. You don't. Well, we called them banana passion fruits when I was young. 
So you're talking about the slightly elongated yellow ones, are yes. you? Yes. You can buy them. Uh, Nellie Kelly make a range. So you've got the normal um, red one. You've got the normal uh, pur- right. purple one, the aubergine coloured one. Yeah. And they also do a yellow banana passion fruit as well, which I believe is a little bit bigger and you get yeah. uh, more pulp out of it. And it, to my taste, it's always tasted the same. Uh, but look, you certainly can get them. Uh, they are out there. You don't I wonder see why you never see them in the shop. I really don't know that. It's, it's a strange one, isn't it? You might have it to get it. Yeah. 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 Usually you just see the normal old, um, you know, Norfolk. Island, um, the ordinary uh, you know, round ones. The round ones, yeah, look yeah. V- very, very tasty though. <laughs> oh, they are. They're beautiful. They are. And uh, what climate um, is the best? What cli- can they grow in cold areas like uh, Upper Hunter and? Look, I would think if you start to get a frost or the temperatures yeah. start to go below five degrees, you're going to have problems with the passion right. fruit. And then the growth season and the fruiting season is, is going to be reduced for you. So they just won't ripen up properly. Uh, right. Look, most the rule of thumb is most climbers are, you know, in, in truth, a tropical plant. You know, they've mm-hmm. always wanted to climb for the sun to get out of the rainforest. Mm. Uh, and uh, the same with the passion fruit. They do need the sunlight to ripen and to get the best growth. They've got those big leaves to absorb as much sun as they can. Uh, so, look, always give it a try. They're not an expensive plant to go out and buy. And uh, No, it's, it's strange because they were really very tasty and yeah. uh, quite intriguing for young kids to see growing. <laughs> and, and I met a lady in Hazelbrook once who asked me, what was that weed growing all through her garden? <laughs> she kept pulling it out and it, kept, and it was a banana passion fruit. <laughs> so, look, uh, look Kay, I, the thing I would say about a banana passion fruit is to... Uh, Look, if you're going to plant it in a cold area like up in the valley, do it at the right time of year. Do it um, just before spring, once all those cold nights have, have started to go away, and then it might acclimatise. By the time it gets through to the next winter, it's going to survive a lot better. Don't go and stick the plant in the ground now or in May at some time. It's not going to have the, t- the chance to acclimatise. Always do that uh, after the cold nights have gone away. And thanks for your calls today. Um, Scott Sharp, do we have a winner? Oh, the winner, the winner, the winner. Of oh, our I, prize. I always get to... How about we give it to Ron out at Arcadia Vale. We'll give him a handful of uh, packet of seeds um, because he started us off on the fantastic boiling water conversation. And we've had good fun with that, haven't we? Uh, so, to a new RFM's gardening, what do we do? What well, does Ron do? To he, get just, his oh, look, he just turns up to uh, Sharp City Garden at Merriweather. Um, he can stick his hand in the barrel and pull out his, you know, a handful of uh, seed packets and they're all his. Fantastic. We'll be back next Monday after the midday news on 2NURFM for Gardening Talkback.